No Guts, No Galaxy is recorded in front of a live studio audience. This is an adult podcast containing adult language. Consider yourself warned. Hello, McFans. This is Duncan Fisher. You know, this year has been a surprise year here on Solaris. And no, I'm not talking about the pilot rankings or the gambling stakes. I am referring to the god-awful weather. It has been colder here than a machine gun spider. Ever try to scrape the viewports of your battle mech? Or sit in the cockpit, then grip those ice-cold controls? It's the worst. I, for one, cannot wait until summer. Sure, the mechs may be running hot enough for a green pilot to pass out in his first match, but it's a lot better than this frozen hellhole. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go and let my mech idle for 20 minutes to warm up. And remember, pilots, keep those targets locked. You're listening to the Gamecasting Broadcast Network. Live from the outreach studios around the world, this is a No Guts, No Galaxy podcast. And now, your host, Phil, a.k.a. Sean Lang. Welcome to the No Guts, No Galaxy Podcast 104. My name is Phil, and I'm your host. Today is February 26, 2014. And I'm joined by Darren, a.k.a. Bombadil. Hey, hey. And today's co-host, Brandon, a.k.a. Catrakel. Oh, hi. Jason, a.k.a. The Centurion. Hello. And special guest host, Tyler, a.k.a. Jaeger12. Hello. All right, guys. Diving in here. And, of course, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Jaeger12 stream. If you have not been following him and if you have not been watching, it's a great source for, one, great gameplay, two, great teamwork, three, pretty much everything else you can think of in a stream so check it out if you don't follow him do so great uh great times in which i just want to say thank you for letting me join you for the past few days tyler that's um what is that monday through friday it's monday through thursday okay so monday through thursday but i also remind everybody that he also is, uh, streams on ngng tv on sunday evening so be sure to check that out as well that's right at the same time starting at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific all right, today's discussion topics we're going to go and jump into. Obviously, we talked to Brian Ekman last week, talked to him about a lot of things coming. But one of those things that we want to talk about and discuss is the launch module. First off, I just want to clarify something, because Darren, me and you have heard a lot of misinformation. I thought we were pretty clear in the podcast. I mean, but it seems there's one item that seems to be a little bit confused. Yeah, group sizes are limited to one now, right? Yeah, apparently. No, group <laughs> sizes still remain four. So I know a lot of people, they first, they came out saying, hey, two to 12 minute groups are coming, uh, you know, as far as random. And then they redacted that, obviously, I, you know, Brian explained why group size will still remain four. A lot of people were confused and are like, oh, we can only have three people. No, you're allowed to have four. It's your, the, the groups can only at max hold three of each weight class and then you know obviously we'll go into there so anyways three 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 what does this mean for random matches in your opinion brandon it means not getting steamrolled hopefully every single match <laughs> it means 12 uh, it, yeah it, it adds up to 12 uh it's uh three <laughs> lights three mediums three heavies three assault well i mean i guess what i'm trying to say here is guys is what is what do you see what do you picture because do you think it's good do you think it's bad and why any type of restrict I don't want to say restrictions, that's a bit harsh. But no, it's restrictions. That, even it even out the teams, I guess is what I should say, to make it a little bit more even or guaranteed evenness uh, in every match, I think it will always be welcomed. I mean, I think it's fair to say it's restrictions. Restrictions, limitations, yes, and rules. those aren't bad words. No, no. I mean, to be honest, a lot of those words usually have a negative connotation but you have to have rules you have to have restrictions right now there are no restrictions and what do we see and we see yeah well we see four assaults in a pug match 
And then we see two groups rolling around in that. Now you have eight assaults, or you have ten assaults, or you have eleven. I mean, we've seen it. We keep seeing it. So You have dogs hanging out with cats. You have Yeah, the, the drops will be much more balanced, much more even, without one team possibly having, like you just said, eight assaults, and the other side having two. Because that kind of thing happens all the time. The matches will be much closer. The, <laughs> the time to kill will be lower, because there won't be, you know, eight mechs packing massive alpha strikes. So I think it's going to make the game a lot better. Do you think the uh, the time to find a group is going to go up? I'm a little concerned about that. Only, I think, if you drop in an unbalanced lance. Like, if you do try to drop with three assaults and a heavy, you're probably going to have a difficult time finding a match. But if you drop with 1-1-1-1, one, 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 you'll probably be okay. Actually, I think if they would have went with 2-12-man to 12 man groups, I have a feeling that's one of the reasons why they didn't go with that as well. Because think about this. You know, if they're matching you as far as each weight class and, and all of this and, and maybe even possible. I think there's, you know, a post coming out soon that would clarify a little bit more of this, but I think it's just more of an issue because if they're matching you with another eight man group or something out there, and there is not many eight man groups running, then you're running into an issue. Now it's just like normal. It's a four man group. I don't think, I honestly, I don't think it'll take uh, long. I think it's going to be the same queue length, if not maybe a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean, Brian's explanation, because we were concerned about that as well, we brought it up, and he basically said they don't foresee any uh, time difference, basically, with the queue. They think it'll be about the same. Obviously, you're getting into the bucket, and then you're setting up, and then you jump into the match or whatever. But, yeah, as far as the 2 to 12 thing, I think if you have larger groups, it's going to be harder to find a a matching team, since so many people either play solo or in small groups, you know, like uh, 2 to 3 basically was the most. It's just going to be a lot easier to find cues with restricting it to four, and I think that's a good thing. The, the bottom line is better gameplay. That's always going to be the precedence for me. Yeah, backing down from the 2 to 12 was definitely a good idea. That was a cliff we were all about to go over, and like I explained on previous podcasts, it would just lead to massive pub stomps again. I don't think anybody wants to see that. No, and uh, I think we can all remember those dark age days and closed beta but you know that being said a lot of people were upset about this we've had a few people on the stream say you know i want you know i have seven friends or i have six friends well look you're still able to do that in private matches you know and that'll be totally separate and i just have to say again rules and restrictions you have to have them a game a game a definition game has rules you have to have them and if you don't have them you know obviously issues resolve now we haven't talked to you, Jason, or, or Tyler. You guys weren't uh, available for the, the podcast last week. Are you guys okay with them doing weight class over weight limits? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I used to uh, like the idea of the you know total tonnage being added up, but I see that it would be difficult to enforce that. Uh, it would be even more difficult for the matchmaker. But uh, only queuing with your four group people, it would be possible, but I... I do remember back in closed beta when we had one-for-one matching, and I like that environment. And Otherwise, it would lead to decks being min-maxed. It would just be several assault mechs and then a bunch of light mechs or you know assaults and heavies and lights. Mediums would be left out, so I'm, I'm glad to see this. I like straight tonnage for asymmetrical gameplay. For symmetrical gameplay, we're going to have the same number of players on either teams. I like the solution they're going with. Phil, I think most of the people we hang out with on a daily basis, the people we talk to, are totally in favor of this. But I want to make sure we cover both points. Can we play devil's advocate? What are some of the things, besides the obvious, which is I have six friends and I can't play with them? You know, okay, well, there's nothing that can be done about that. But what are some of the, maybe the the opposing ideas or thoughts towards the 3333 thing? And is there any way to circumvent those, you know, what whatever might be perceived as being bad? Well, right now, one of the things someone was bringing up is because of the launch module, how it's going to work, right? If, if four of us are in a group and we we drop into the, the lobby, if you will, now we're matched up with the rest of our team. If we're able to communicate, we can get them on our team speak, right? And if we're dropping with these guys over and over and over, right? Well, you choose. Obviously, you, you drop in a match, you come back to the lobby, you can choose to stay or leave. So they could get all on team speak. So there is the potential for that being abused. But, you know, I think it's just something that's going to come with the territory. And I will say, if that's available to you, though, that's also available to the other team to be able to get people on TeamSpeak. So if anything, it actually may lead to better communication between us, the grouped up players, 
you know, and, and you, you know, the high ELO players being able to get the pucks on team speak with them, which I think is a great thing. It's a great incentive. You know, I mean, a lot of people have talked about VOIP not being in the game and, you know, PGI came out a while ago and said, you know, we're not going to spend the, you know, development time right now. We think the, the community, you know, team speak three servers and mumble and Ventrilo works just as well right now. And I think this will actually be beneficial uh, on the flip side. If, they're able to get on TeamSpeak, you know, I mean, they could coordinate as far as, um, you know, builds or this or that. But, I mean, playing Devil's Advocate, that would mean an organized uh, 12-man, right? I think I think a lot of it will be manipulated, though. I mean, I, I think all systems are once they're introduced. I know, like, uh, Wolf Spiders, we'll, we'll get together on Monday nights to play. And if we can't get a full 12, we'll try to sync drop. Uh, half the time we end up on opposite teams, but those times that we don't, it ends up being uh, being a lot of fun. And I think what will happen with this module is because you can stay in a persistent group is you'll see a lot of groups like mine that will might try to queue up over and over and over again until they get their sync drop in place and then they just stay in the lobby together. Now, the, obviously, is something to point out. Um, someone might say, well, that's a bad thing that, you know, people could uh, have 12 people organized and stuff like that, ultimately. But also remember, too, you're going to be weight balanced. Three, 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 three. At least that will be consistent. I mean... Uh, right now you know when we were talking about weight limits you know uh tyler we were talking about this even if you add weight limits you almost have to also still have class restrictions with weight limits because or else what happens min max you'd have you know highlanders and victors and cataphracts and then you'd have jenners or firestars and that's it so you know i think ultimately this is a good move it's an improvement of what currently is in the game and it cannot come soon enough and i say that because you know, you run into multiple, multiple. I mean, today when we were streaming, we ran into multiple, multiple assaults on the other team, multiple heavies. Um, sometimes where there's no lights at all, and you have three or four lights on your team, and it's just it's it's an imbalance. And I'm ready for this to be brought in. We need balance in the, in the, as far as weight classes in the game again. They did it in the past. I honestly don't know why they removed it because I liked it back then. Have they talked about how the whole lobby system is going to work because what would keep two groups of four from getting into the same lobby on the same team but it's not evident that they're on the same team speak together right um, hopefully elo matchmaking is still in place and so if you have multiple high elo groups that are trying to get into the same lobby that would still prevent that from happening based on who's on the other team i hope yeah some kind of system is still in place because there's a few people that drop against us on the stream and they know they know um, they'll always be on the opposite <laughs> team um yeah. and you know which is fine you know i don't mind but uh, it makes it difficult sometimes but uh well obviously that's something they're gonna have to figure out let's get back to locust and dragon sorry about that I, gu- I guess what i'm trying to say is right now the one of the negatives someone is saying is oh well all you're gonna have is 35 tonners you know 75 tonners and you know 100 or whatever well i think that's where it comes down to what type of incentives is it gameplay is it c bill i mean i think that's what needs answered by pgi is like what what are you giving that locust like why ever one right now why would you ever run a locust right and then why would you do that uh in a match with three 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 an obvious answer to me is that if the matchmaker is matching weight class then if you run a locust you know the other light on you know your counterpart is going to be in a locust as well I mean, if that's true, yeah. And, and I mean, that's, if that's something true, we, big if. Yeah, that's what we need clarification on. But still, I think what it comes down to is some type of incentives. I mean, whether it's if it matches you one for one, basically done. weight to weight, done. I think that's fine. But yep. if it's pitting a Jenner versus a Locust or three fire starters versus, you know, uh, a commando, and, and, you know, like, let's be real here. I mean, some mechs are stronger by far than others. So. Yeah, Lancelot, I'm saying if they if they also add weight restrictions on top of the class restrictions, that's what that would be one way to solve that issue right there. But also obviously incentives would be now what kind of incentives would be acceptable to people? Yeah, I I don't see them doing that. I think that'd be way too restrictive and I think it would just make that queue time even longer while you tried to not only find a match that, you know, needed the you know, your lights, but then also the tonnage within your bracket. I, I don't see them doing that. As far as a, an incentive, I could see a you know C bill gain or something like that, or XP gain, um, something that would you know help you help the under ton team, uh, give them maybe a modifier. Well, how much incentive and and be specific would it take for you to run a locust over you know the meta light 
or a cicada over a shadow hawk or you know i mean those are the type of things mm -hmm. why would you ever run a dragon you know or a catapult but i think obviously what we're talking about is we're talking about launch module we're talk talking about matchmaker and also you know to to go out there and stretch i know this isn't on our notes but you mentioned this earlier elo i almost feel that elo needs to go away and this is why um, or it needs to be refined to where it actually is player skill like it actually measures analytics it collects information on the player and either it gives a value on the player in whatever chassis they're in um because maybe for instance tyler you would be ridiculous in your highlander right so it may place you know a team against you um that may be a slightly you know i don't know whatever um slightly heavier or slightly you know like you may play equal if not better players because you're so good in that particular mech. I almost feel like ELO has to go away or is refined to where it reflects on the matchmaker as far as the individual skill. And then some mechs are better than others. I mean, you can rank a, a Raven 3L 4X and a 2X. You can do that. Like, even if you didn't take the any weapons on the mech, you can rate each um, variant. So I almost feel like that could go into the, the equation as well. You throw in player actual skill, you, you throw in 3333, and then matchmaker, you know, like you said, hopefully it doesn't match, you know, um, or put on the same team to pre-mades. You know what I'm saying? Matchmaker needs to be like part of the Borg Collective or Brainiac or something that can freaking handle all this. Well, I mean, they collect all the data NSA. anyways. They can see how accurate you are with said weapons. How many weapons do you have on your particular mech? They can see how accurate, you know, how effective you are in each chassis. They can see uh, your kill death ratio. They can see all of it. It's all tracked. I don't know, besides win-loss, what other statistics they could really use to derive ELO from. Because I don't think accuracy is a good measure. Because, I mean, I just shoot things all the time. I shoot mechs that are dead. I shoot the hills. <laughs> but, and everybody does that. So accuracy can't be a, a stable and realistic measure. Well, you, then you just have to like hold your fire all the time. It'd be like, oh, I don't want to lower my ELO. But that's what happens in other games. Like, I played complet hugely competitive in, in World of Tanks, and that's what people do. You can always tell the noobs because they're shooting their friends and they're shooting the hills and the, and the buildings, and you can tell the people that knew that their stats would be fucked up because they're not. Now, I'm not saying, you know, people that shoot hills in MWO are noobs. I'm just saying because that stat doesn't exist. But win-loss shows nothing of skill. It, I mean, you know, I could it drop... Has to. It, it doesn't, though. If, if you I can consistently win... Despite the odds, because the more you win, the higher your ELO goes. The more your team is either going to be weaker or the enemy team is going to be stacked against you. And if you can continue to win under those conditions, it just keeps getting more and more to the point where you're at the top. You're at 2,800 ELO, the, the roof. And it's putting the most stacked teams against you that it possibly can, that the matchmaker can come up with. And if you continue to win, that means you're a good player. Well, All right. okay, so, yes, hold, but also hold on. when you can Hold on, drop I got a counter to that, just real quick. If I were to all of a sudden stop dropping solo and only drop, drop with you, Jaeger, and two of your uh, teammates, my elo would skyrocket, and it would have nothing to do with my skill. You can, that's right, you can bring somebody along for the ride. Well, not to mention, um, you also drop in meta, you know, three Highlanders and all that all the time. I'm not pointing a finger, you're not a shitty player, I'm i'm giving credit where credit's due what i'm saying though is a lot of these groups the current matchmaker and because of the you know through you know group size and no limitations a lot of people's elo is inflated and they keep running that setup what happens when you throw in three 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 in the equation will that affect and that's why i'm saying i think elo should be reset when they implement that i mean because i want to see what really someone's uh you know when but isn't isn't average damage, average experience, at least a way better indicator than win-loss? I mean, maybe it's well, not 100% accurate, but isn't it a way better indicator? Damage is not a good indicator, because no. the objective of the game should be to quickly and efficiently disable or kill your opponent. Then add not, the, the kills not, in there. Not boat AC2s. And get well, kill, kills damage. don't mean anything, because you can still kill, and, and the so, right damage isn't a good indicator. But if you were to take a mole, like... What I'm saying is, if you're collecting data from multiple different inputs, it's going to give you a better picture than just win-loss. 
Yeah, I mean, you're you're, ta you're taking someone's accuracy. You're taking what mech they're in, the weight, the weapons they use. I mean, you're taking uh, maybe the players. That, I mean, there has to be something better than just kill death. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say is with all this being said, ELO in itself is just what it is, is not effective at all. It doesn't measure your skill as an individual player. I, well, I think I would agree with Tyler that win-loss is probably the one thing you can't manipulate. I mean, I could go out and accurate, you know, with accuracy, and I could sandbag and just shoot a small pulse laser into a hill all day, and then join up with my group and say, "Hey guys, I tank my elo. We should have an easier time finding matches tonight to steamroll." And I could stop dropping solo and only drop with skilled groups and totally yeah. I mean, sure, inflate but, my or, or not yeah, drop in non-meta builds and but not, long term. You know, but long term, bomb. Like the minute you stop dropping with them, you're going to be a f you're going to be food for the rest of the sharks. Well, I mean. I understand what you're saying, but I just think win-loss means nothing. It means nothing to me. Well, I think it means more than, like, damage or kills does, because you're talking about lights. I mean, outside of Jenner's and things like that, you were talking about incentive to play that Locust earlier. If my my Locust elo is only going to be, you know, derived from kills and loss, I'm going to feel a hell of a lot worse okay, than let me, let me if put it, it this wins. way. Take, take the current elo and how win-loss, throw in 3-3-3, and it's going to be a little bit different. I think elo, uh, the the your kill death and what we look at as far as skill would be changed with how the current matchmaker versus this new matchmaker that's coming out. I'm still saying though, and I don't think ELO in its current form of just kill or win loss ratio is effective and it's not a reliable statistic. It may be a good way of saying, you know, okay, well that person probably is a good player, but probably and is, is two different things. Are you a good player? What is that measured by? You know, I mean, should it be determined by every shot you take? Should it be determined by the win-loss? Should it be determined by what chassis in? What the enemy chassis? I mean, there's so much information to where it can break down. You know, obviously someone's like, well, just if you if you were to sum it up to just battle value, battle value represents all of those inputs. And, you know, it gives you a statistic for, you know, you as a player, you in this particular mech, you in that particular setup. I think it's just overall it can be better um, and it would make a better experience. Like like Centurion said, if you're a Locust pilot and you love your Locust, it's going to be because of the chassis. Like, impossible to consistently score as high as the Jenner would. You just can't. And how is that? Is that person's ELO going to be doomed to be low? I mean, it's it's as if somebody chose uh, an Awesome as their assault mech and they always just only played the Awesome. They're ELO because they're, that chassis is unable to carry as hard as a Victor or Highlander is just going to be stuck lower. And again, uh, just because they like the Locust, they can be the best pilot in the world, but because of other builds and how the matchmaker is, their ELO may be lower. I mean, <laughs> this is why matchmaker sucks in every fucking game. I mean, everybody's always <laughs> complaining about matchmaker. No one's got it right, so well, it's, I will, I will it's say not this. like we're criticizing people yeah, because they've got it wrong, but... The new well, I mean, one coming out will be better than what's currently in. I think we can all agree that. We're all looking forward to it in random matches. Are there some loopholes? Yes. But, I, you know, and one of those being ELO, one of those being incentive to take uh, something that's not the highest of that particular weight class. I think those answers will probably, you know, come to light very, very soon from uh, Paul and Brian. Um, but it's stuff to think about, you know. Um, but all, ultimately, ELO, I, I don't think, I think ELO will eventually change. I don't think it'll be ELO anymore. They, or something. Like, they'll take other forms of uh, determining your skill. But that being said, Tyler, you know, we were talking about this. Private matchmaker is probably the biggest thing to happen for community leagues. And I was just talking to you and some of your SJR guys and other guys. And one of them made a comment of, like, oh, you know, well... It's about time and, and, you know, we've been being spited this entire time. And, you know, one thing I just want to say is, like, if you honestly think that, like, someone over at PGI has made design decisions to, like, screw over the competitive scene, like I've said this before, you have to have patience, you know, for this. I mean, I can understand you've been wanting something sooner, but, I mean, this is a big thing for community leagues. I mean, this, this allows you guys to run, take the ball yeah. and fucking just run with it. It absolutely is. This is the biggest thing that happened in community leagues, like you said, and since the game came out. The the main problem and why so many people are a little bit disgruntled is because it feels like we've been left out in the cold because they've PGI has not supported community run competitive leagues in almost anything except the closed beta run hot or die tournament. There's been nothing. There's just been complete silence from them. Garth never came out to say, 
pay or watch the games or anything like that. The it has just been silence. So we've been getting along on our own. We've been asking for some method by which to play together without having to sync drop, and nothing's come. But two months from now, we'll have it. We're all thrilled, and it's just what we've been waiting for. Without uh, giving anything away um, before it happens, I do want to say that that is actually changing and that there will be more support coming. I know of it specifically. Phil does as well. Uh, they are paying attention now. Or and... I, I should say, we've been pushing for it, and they have definitely listened, and something will be coming. Because yep. we feel it's important, and I said this last night, um, I, and on the stream earlier, someone actually on the stream said community leagues were nothing but EPing. And I had to stop and basically uh, give my opinion about that, because I thought he was absolutely an idiot but that's just my opinion um but also the fact that community leagues will make a community stronger i mean it's things for you to do things for you to you know group together and practice and i mean obviously the community leagues literally have the option of doing your own community warfare really i mean that's what community leagues can do it can be a comp scene it can be an rp scene it can be so many different things but allows the community to to create those things and experiences i'm all for it I can't wait. And I think an API system would just be icing on the cake. So PGI, API, make it happen. Make it so. All right. So our next topic, um, I think we've covered launch module. Obviously, I think something else is coming out soon. Hopefully, uh, give you guys a little bit more uh, clarification on a few things. But uh, jump jet and pop tarting. This is something we've, I don't know if we've avoided. We just haven't really talked about in length. And since we've had Jason and, and Tyler on here, we haven't adjusted. Uh, you know, talked about it. This is a big topic. So before we get into like our individual opinions on it, what do you guys think the intended purpose of jump jets is? Because, you know, at the heart, pop tarting only happens because of jump jets. Um, who wants to take a jab at that first? What is the intended purpose of jump jets? Maneuverability. To get into space. No? Yeah, just no, just mobility to get around the battlefield, to be able to get a tactical advantage on terrain. I've all I mean from coming from old lore I've always seen jump jets as maneuverability and like hot dropping in on a spot or whatever that's pretty much it. Yeah, definitely for maneuverability. Brennan? DFAs. Okay. That's maneuverability. So Yeah, maneuvering a foot into somebody else's head. Exactly. exactly. Offensive use of your jump jets. <laughs> okay, so pop tarting in general occurred after they made jump jet changes and jump jets different uh, made them better altogether and then we saw pop tarting start to occur and it was first it was ppc erppcs and gauss rifles that went away as uh when uh ppcs were slightly nerfed and gauss rifle changed and then it was ppcs ac 10s and 20s and now it's ppcs and um ac 5s and uac 5s and you're starting to see some players really hone their skills with the gauss rifle and be able to do um, Goss Rifle and PPCs now. I guess my question is, is pop turning bad? And why is it used in the first place? I mean, obviously, I know why. I'm wanting you to explain why um, to, to the audience out there. So, Tyler, I know me and you have talked about this in length, though. Do you think pop turning is bad? All right, first of all, I'll explain what pop turning is. Pop turning is when you stay behind a piece of cover and you jump jet out from the cover shoot your opponents, acquire a target, shoot your opponent, and then fall back down behind the cover. So by fighting in this way, you minimize the amount of time you're exposed to your enemy, shoot your enemy, and then fall back down into cover where you can't be attacked. And this is the most effective form of combat in the game, because everything else requires you to either uh, hill hump, which exposes you slightly longer, or peek around the sides of buildings. Now is it good? Uh, it's definitely uh, by far the superior form of combat, so all other ones are ineffective at this time, mostly because SRMs don't work properly. The hit registration doesn't, but that, that would be another style of combat that could counter it. But is it good? I think it takes more skill than any other form of combat in the game, it, because they've, they've added the screen shake mechanic to kind of you know, tone down how good Pop-Tarts used to be, because... You used to be able to just shoot at any time during your jump, but now you can only do so when falling, otherwise your accuracy is going to be terrible. I Also, I would say it's the most entertaining way to fight, both for a, a viewer of, say, a stream, 
or or for myself playing fight shooting someone in the air air to ground or even air to air that's the most fun and most challenging thing because you don't know when the other guy's going to cut his jump jets uh so all that together i'd say pop tarting is it's difficult to counter and a lot of the mechs can't deal with it well fighting back against it maybe bad for game balance but it's good for it's it's a really good tactic it's the most effective strategy and you're correct but I guess what I'm trying to say is it bad for the overall gameplay and I said this last night on your stream I actually don't think it's as skill intensive as you think and the reason being is once you learn it it it's learned I mean it, it's it's like riding a bike and when Absolutely. when um i.e. on uh, last night we were streaming and today when I was streaming um if the other team has pop tarts five six seven of them and you have none or you have less than you are in an extreme disadvantage and i don't extreme, there yes. is no there's no uh, for them having the pop tart ability jump jet up pop tart you know not you know being effective as it is there's no drawbacks to it um and whether or not srms would work you know as intended uh, i don't think would really change all of that because it would still occur and it's been one of the biggest occurring things as far as ongoing pop tarts have always been here and they're it's you know, because they can deliver a 30 to 40 pinpoint accurate shot each time and when you're in a hunchback like i like to run a lot or a centurion or something or even a light mech and you can't contest that every single time or you get shot once and then you have to worry about getting knocked out for the rest of the match i just feel like it is not good for gameplay and whether that's changing how the weapons work or changing how jump jets what's easier i don't know i do think it's difficult to learn pop tarting i think once you learn how to juggle chainsaws you'd probably remember that as well like riding a bike but it's still really hard to learn i think my biggest issue with pop tarting is just gameplay i think it makes matches really boring and that's my only issue with it I think it's absolutely great. I think it's absolutely it's a great skill if you can master it. There's there's ways to do it bad, and people kind of forget that. If you're just jumping up and down in one spot, I mean, I'm going to tag you from a mile away eventually. But you have really really good pilots out there who add a little bit of horizontal movement to it and kind of do it like an arc, like a sunrise sunset, and and that gets a little bit tougher to pull that you know pull that shot off, and it's tougher than to hit with it. So I I don't think pop tarting in and of itself is bad. I think there's no counters to it right now. Well, it's, the only it's, counter it's is clearly dominant. The only well, the only counter is other pop tarts. They, well, no, if you had if you had a ground game and you could hit with some SRMs and you could rush and flush out the snipers and actually make sure that those SRMs are going to register when you got up on them, I think you could you'd see a lot of. I, I still yeah, absolutely. And, and this is why I don't think that's gonna that would matter. And the real only reason being is you guys is you still have to close the distance from X point to where they're shooting at, and this entire time they're pop tarting your ass, and each time is three to four, you know, thirty to forty damage each time, and in groups. I mean, we're talking about. We're not talking about just one doing it or two doing it. We're talking about multiple groups on comms. And the higher ELO players, you guys suffer from it even more. And there's no variety. I mean, when everyone has AC5s and PPCs or UAC5s and PPCs, I mean, literally, Cataphract. Oh, hey, look, go figure. Oh, yeah, Victor, go figure. Oh, Highlander, go figure. You know, like, oh, Orion, go figure. That's what they have. There's no Uh, diversity in it. Look, Phil, like I said at the beginning, that... Whatever, there's always going to be a mech that's dominant. And if, for some reason, if they made the shake last the entire time you're in the air, pop tarting would be done immediately, except for I, like, I light mechs okay or short range. I'm going to be what roasted. that would lead to. What that would lead to immediately, and I can tell you with certainty, is the next day, stalkers hill humping with ER large lasers or going back to four PPC. And but you still then jump jets. You still have the added mobility. And you are jump jets. If you took out the the being able to be 100% accurate, are jump jets still worth taking? They would be worth taking, but the stalker would be the next dominant mech. And what the game would turn into, at least at high elo play, would be stalkers just hill humping each other. And that happened back before Ghosty went in. And to me, that was the most boring the game has ever been. Is when stalker hill humping was dominant, because that style of play is so incredibly boring. Just walk up to a hill. It's a good point. Shoot your enemy back down. So what you're it's, saying is we have really to choose boring. one or the other. And that's, it's always that's going to be something. It, well, it's always going to be something for uh, maybe a particular like meta, like PPCs and AC5s or whatever. Like it's, it, You're right. There will always be something that's effective. But in my opinion, pop turning right now, it, it's, it's almost game-breaking. 
like especially in for pub play i mean like when i hop in and i continually run into this issue and there's nothing you can do unless you just want to jump aboard the bandwagon and that's not fun that's not enjoyable like and and i talk to a lot of people and that's that's true for them and I understand well, that. And well, I think there's, I think there's more subtle ways to, to get a fix in without completely killing off that style of play. Like I think if you really look at the jump jets and looked at the fact is, is one jump jet on an assault mech is that really should that really have the ability to provide full thrust and for full vertical thrust and then full maneuverability from side to side? Yeah. I mean, if if they scaled it to where you know that Highlander now you had to take all three jump jets in order to get the same verticality and the same um, you know side to side movement. I think that you would see a lot of that kind of play maybe dampened down a little bit because then you're making the pilots make an interesting choice. Well, let me, let me uh, throw something out here. I mean, I, I made this, I've made a point of talking about how I don't like pop tarting, how I think it's destructive to gameplay. But also, we've we've hit on weapons, we've hit on jump jets, we've hit on heat. Uh, you know, we've hit on multiple different things. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, this discussion goes on whether pop tarting is good or bad. And, and like Tyler said, you know, there will always be a meta no matter what. But um, I think what this is going to take is not just one fix. I've had plenty of people say, oh, well, if you just do this, it'll solve it. No, it's going to take multiple small fixes to bring it into, you know, as far as the, the where everyone is like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a good strategy if you can do something, but you can also counter it with this or what's the effective use of jump jets and what's the purpose and how can it still be played? Because you're right, Tyler. Uh, one of the things he was saying was gameplay was boring before, you know, it, it, and I have to agree with that. So I guess my question to PGI is and to you guys to ponder out there is how do you still allow jump jetting and firing and engaging your targets not necessarily pop targeting all the time but being able to engage your targets in the air while still negating or diminishing the whole alpha strike you know ppcs and ac5s and stuff how can you have both worlds and i guess that's the challenge for pgi to really deliver on but it's not just one change i mean it's it's multiples uh, that they have to address i mean yeah, it's going to be difficult if they want to bring pop tarring in line with other styles of play. And because of the nature of it, it may be impossible to completely bring it in line with other styles of play. You, It would need a combination of a lot of different things I'm not sure you wanted to get into on this episode. That doesn't mean you can't start somewhere like, you know, SRM hit registration. I mean, there's no downside to having that fixed. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. But I don't think it'll solve it because, I mean, pop tarring has been an issue even when SRMs were fine. Uh, I think we're... Uh, pop tarting really started to escalate was when some of the chassis were introduced that weren't there in closed beta and, and you know moving backwards the Highlander wasn't there the Victor wasn't here the Cataphract wasn't there I mean you're talking about some very strong chassis that weren't there or in the past and so some of these things and you know moving that's right back when SRMs were working properly and they were 2.5 damage and add splash damage the uh, it was just the Cataphract basically doing Gauss and PPCs and back then, a splat cat running through your lines, Atlas DGC, everybody remembers. Some people call those the, that the, the glory days. When the brawlers would rush the, the pop snipers, and if they got in, they would decimate them badly. A team of pop snipers would lose. But the SRMs don't work properly right now. We also have bigger maps, so it makes it difficult. And you know when that also, A1 pops up on your radar, you know what to do with it as soon as oh, possible. Oh, definitely. You target it down. But I know there's also a lot of players right now, uh, some of them even in Aces, for example, who are pop targeting right now, that said if SRMs are fixed, they'd take those because they want to brawl. I think right now a lot of people want to brawl, but they're unable to because they feel that the weapons in which they were using for brawling at the moment aren't hitting. But, you know, to, to counter that, you know, Tyler, you take your Highlander to win but you take your Shadowhawk to have fun. And then what is what happens every single time, though? What, what gets overridden? Well, screw it. I'm not going to have fun. I'm just going to go back to the winning. That's yeah, how we roll. Uh, there comes a point pretty much every place. Well, not every play session, but uh, where you do run into the 4-8 to eight Highlander 733Cs on the enemy team. And with your non-Metamech, it was too much. And so you have to go business time. And you you strike back, you hunt down that lance that puts you down, and you find them and 12-0 them in your metamech. 
So yeah, but to kind of counter like Sean's point from earlier, though, is um, when you were saying like you know a lot of these pop tarting chassis weren't in before. A lot of these new chassis um, that are in the game now that it would be SRM beasts like the Shadowhawk, for example, or even a Kentaro, they haven't been in the game since SRMs hit reliably. Griffin, Wolverine, That's I right. think will be strong. Yeah, absolutely. Heavily strong once SRMs are in. I, can't so I, I, I just say, you know, let's fix that and then see where the chips fall where they may, and then they can make incremental changes from there. Okay, yeah. since we're wanting to talk about weapons here, we really need to move on to the last topic. If, yes, if let's you want to still, Yeah. All right, so obviously we're talking about uh, we're happy with the launch uh, module. That's coming down. I think that'll dynamically change how random matches are played. You know, pop tarting. Um, obviously, Paul said they're going to be looking at that. I'm really, really happy, you know, that they're looking at doing something. It'll be interesting seeing what they do. Do we end up with the stalker meta afterwards, or do we end up with something else? I don't know. Uh, we'll have the answers soon for you guys on a vlog video. Um, moving on to weapon changes. Obviously, what we're talking about involves weapons and hot. Uh, the meta, if you will. Uh, we just had large pulse lasers and medium pulse changes. I tested large pulse on the first day and medium pulse. Unfortunately, I also ran against the meta, uh, against Tyler, uh, literally um, three matches in a row in a Centurion by myself, Pug, and it was horrible. <laughs> but the large pulse changes, you had a 50 meter increase on the effective, 100 total. Uh, heat was reduced. I like it. I think large pulse, I think it's an improvement. What are you guessing? Yeah, they, they feel good, and especially the large pulse laser. The medium pulse laser probably still needs a little bit of work. The 50 meter increase from 300 to 350 was very significant for the large pulse laser. And they feel good. They're still not really that effective when boated, just that weapon. They need to be paired with a, a ballistic or, I wish, a missile weapon. That would be, the brawlers would be very deadly now, If like it back to SRM hit registration again. If it could be SRMs and large pulse lasers or medium pulse lasers. I've loved the large pulse. I was playing them in today's stream with my DDC, and that was paired with a AC-20. I had a great time. Fun to brawl with them. I, I think the large pulse laser, like you said, one paired with another weapon system, I think right now is sitting pretty much on where it should stay and how it should be. I think the changes are a very positive thing. So I guess, should medium pulse get a slight reduction in heat as well? I mean, large pulse got it. Um, and then should small pulse get a slight range increase as well? Because I mean, yep. for I'd being yes. for being a whole another ton over a medium laser, yeah, it needs a little bit help. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't think we'll ever have this perfect scenario to where every single weapon you there in game will be on a battlefield at any given time. But um, I feel like the trade off right now is large pulse have a little bit shorter range than their counterparts the large laser and you know medium beating pulse and stuff like that they do a little bit more heat but they also do a little bit more damage in a shorter period and they weigh more so to me i've been rolling the two medium pulse on like my trebuchet 7m i'm actually really enjoying it and i think it works for mechs that have limited energy slots and you have extra weight and you know you don't mind the range but because of how current ppc and ac5s are I don't think they'll reign a supreme because, you know, a lot of people can take the, the meta. So I don't think that'll ever change, though. But, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, PPCs and stuff like that, you know, uh, yeah, that's that's a whole nother podcast. I've talked about that. So you guys like the large pulse? Are you suggesting medium get a reduction in heat? It needs something. I mean, large pulse feels like it's um, it's kind of like that Goldilocks. I mean, it's just right. It's where it needs to be between the regular large and the ER large. It feels like it's got a distinct place, and it's, it's very, very effective. And there's a reason to use it now. Um, but medium pulse, it just, like Tyler was saying, it just doesn't seem like it's it's currently worth the trade-off from just putting a couple mediums in there. Because you I, almost I'd still rather take, as it currently stands, I would still rather probably, if I have the slots and everything, all things considered, I'd still probably take two medium lasers over a medium pulse. Because what? The damage is still good, the range is great, and it's only one ton. I mean, yeah, whereas... pretty much, where you're getting a, a slight increase in damage, like, not a whole lot, I think it's like, what, one one point of damage more, but, and you get one point of heat more, but it costs you a whole extra ton, where I could be dealing out ten points of damage, I'm taking three extra points of heat, and for two tons. You know, obviously, I, I'm, I think there's just one slight change to the medium pulse, whether you decrease the heat slightly, one or the other, decrease the heat slightly, or bump up the damage just a tad, one of the two, 
And I think what you're seeing is the medium laser. I mean, you know, it's effective range 270, medium pulse 200 now. Um, so give me a trade off. I've got multiple trade offs with the medium laser, one ton, right? Great, you know, decent on heat. It's actually lower heat than the medium pulse. And I've got range on the medium pulse. So the medium pulse should be weighs a little bit more, slightly hotter, slightly more damage. But you, you can see the difference between those. Well, and sometimes, too, it depends on how many crit slots you still have open, because it may just not be a one-to-one of medium versus medium pulse. It could be medium pulse versus a medium laser and an additional double heatsink. Yeah, but, you know, as well as I do, people tend to boat. I mean, that, that's that's what we do. It's easier. Like, it's easier to it's easier to worry about less multiple weapon systems that have different mechanics or, or you know, like, that's why you don't see a lot of people uh, exchanging them out. I mean, that's why... Uh, it's just how it is, but yeah, I, I'd li- I'd like to see medium pulse, like two medium pulse on a fire star, but you know, a few mediums and stuff like that, or a few small lasers, small pulse. The next thing we're talking about is we know flamers are getting changed. What would you guys throw out there to make it useful? Like, what would you offer as far as advice? Uh, I would make them crit seeking weapons for the purpose of um, destroying heat sinks. Ooh, I like that actually. Because right uh, now, for those that may not know, if you if you're flaming a mech, it'll bring that mech's heat up to 90%. That's it, though. It won't take them above that, right? And it does do damage, but, I mean, it's almost negligible. Maybe increase the rate in which uh, mechs will overheat as well after a certain point. Yeah. So, like, they, so maybe the ability to jolt up or something like that. Maybe the ability to actually set a mech on fire and have it, it's just like, have its cooling reduced as it's on fire and the fire eventually wears off. Why wouldn't you just have it so it can shut down a mech? Like, I, I don't understand why that went away, because if it's griefing, about strategy, probably. right? Yeah. Because of what? Griefing concerns. Well, you could grief with Pop-Tarts, right? I mean... Yeah, that, but there's that's a difference why... between maybe friendly firing your friend, or I shouldn't say your friends. But, but... you can kill your friendlies, you know, shoot oh, yeah, them definitely. shut down. I mean, you but know, like... it'd probably be more, um, more... Because it doesn't concerning. kill them, it'd be more tempting for people to just yeah. go around and flame their own teammates. That, that's why I like... But I was saying about, you know, you could flame somebody and then maybe if you make them, you know, shut down or you could do something where you could crit their their heat sinks, destroy their heat sinks. And now you're not really shutting them down, but you're making them more prone to shut down for the remainder of the match. I actually really like that. The idea of popping out heat sinks or something like that after a point. So it'd be almost like the opposite. Like the machine guns are a through armor critical type thing. Once your armor is gone, you're just chewing through the internals, whereas the flamers might be popping heat sinks in the no armor area. I think that'd be a really cool effect. The flamers need infantry to kill. <laughs> really working for trees battle to burn. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Obviously, I think that was really good discussion. Obviously, you know, on launch module, on pop tarting, on weapons. Um, we're going to be sitting down with uh, Russ Bullock next Wednesday, by the way, to talk about uh, talk about all the things going on. Anyways, I just want to say thank you to our community, our listeners, new and old, and of course, our amazing staff and guests and our sponsors. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. This was your local No Guts, No Galaxy Mechware podcast. Signing off for tonight, this is Phil. This is Darren. This is totally not Brandon. (laughs) This is Jason. This is Tyler. Until next time, Mech Warriors. It'd be best if you avoid me. But I know you probably can't You sense something is wrong with me You can feel it on my skin But there is more with it Just a little off The truth is at one time I was But now I'm a robot Forever